0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm in line I'm I'm Oh, you got it <laughs>
2: Where is she? Where is she?
1: 42 year old Brian Sicknick served his country in Iraq with the International Guard, only to be killed defending the Capitol. Officer Sicknick was the one officer who was uh,
0: beaten to death by Trump supporters. Fighting back. Uh, somebody who was helped plan who not here, but you know.
1: Dying from his injuries. If they had gotten in there and gotten their hands on a congressman or senator, they would have slipped through. To throw, yes, they would have hung them, yes. they would have shot them, yes. they would have beat them to death. You're right again. Go
0: into the Go. Work together to assault US Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick and other officers with an unknown toxic chemical spray.
1: Died after suffering a head injury while defending the Capitol. Is it possible this story is true? Struck in the head by a fire extinguisher during the storming of the Capitol. He was attacked with a fire extinguisher. Uh, Beaten, murdered at the hands of these individuals, these insurrectionists here.
2: Medical examiner today ruled that Capitol Hill police officer Brian Sicknick died of natural causes. The autopsy report indicates Sicknick suffered from two strokes and a blood clot, or from a blood clot, the day after he confronted rioters. The medical examiner reports finding no evidence of
1: internal or external
2: injury.
0: Hey, it's Jose Son. You're watching No Way Jose. You can find my No Way Jose YouTube channel. All the major odd pockets are in Odyssey as well. Today I have two guests. It was originally just going to be one. I have Jake Angeli, uh, known to many as the QAnon Shaman. We'll get into that and how he ended up with that name. Uh, I also have Jason Rink, who's uh, you know kind of you know one of the world's most banned filmmakers. He just made a return to Twitter today and kind of saw that. And I was like, you know what? You'd make a great last minute addition to this. This is Ray right up your alley. Uh, he's already got a little bit of rapport with Jake, so this will be this will be an interesting one. Uh, do want to let you guys know how this works. This is one of my paywalled ones. Uh, only very rarely do these live streams, but this will go out roughly a week or so later. If you want to get access to early content, patreon.com's no way Jose 2020. They also go up as live streams if you prefer it that way. So if you're a patron, you can watch along when it's live, or you can watch it later at your convenience and you know, get it earlier than the the rest of the folks. Like I said, patreon.com's no twenty twenty, lowest levels two bucks, highest levels 20. 20 is my sponsors. Uh, my sponsors are Jeremy he has an Etsy store. Uh, Etsy.com is so a shop. So raising Liberty. Go check out his content. Follow on Twitter at Jeremy rhymes. And also my co-host on tower gang toad at tower gang toad on Twitter. Uh, like I said, uh, you know, he's, we're co-host together. On another show. That's my offensive comedy podcast. We just had Owen Benjamin on recently. That was a great episode. Uh, we'll be doing another one tomorrow. Uh, by the time the rest of you guys see us out, it'll already be out. But yeah, uh, we got big things coming in the targeting universe, too. So stay tuned if you're into that. If not, that's fine. Not everyone likes offensive comedy. Uh, I also have Zach Overecker, at Z O V E R A C K on Twitter. And I also have Lindsay, who's covering a lot of this OKC content on TikTok. Highly recommend her content if you're into the TikTok game. I'm not quite. She's Lindsay OKC on Twitter. And I also have Matt. All he wants me to say is raise hell, praise Dale. Uh, and he's repping the two one nine. Then at abrogate D's, uh, one of my newer sponsors. And with that also, but do want to remind you guys, go toplobs.com. You associate check and get my Yiki shirts there. You can also get other content targeting shirts. You can get stuff that's not even show related. He has a bunch of great stuff there. Go check it out. Toplobs is my guy with that. Let's start getting our guests in here. Jason, what is up? Pleasure having
1: you back. Hey, good to be here. Mm-hmm. Glad, glad to be back on Twitter today. After five hundred and fifty five days for that account anyway.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's weird this has come full circle because I'm pretty sure the last time I had you on, I was just completely jokingly was saying, Oh, you gotta get me uh got me Gotta get me Jake on when he gets out of jail or whatever, and and here we are. That I, I weird it worked out. That's kind of like when I saw you. I was like, oh, this is like I kind of have to have him on. So I'm interesting to see who this goes. I actually want to pass this off to you to give the introduction for the next fellow we have because I feel like you're probably the best person for it. Uh, let the people know who we're bringing on now.
1: Yeah. So uh, this is going to be Jacob Anjuli Uh, You know, he he's been titled the QAnon Shaman by others. He, uh, he is, um, the America shaman though. Um, and so he is the guy with the horns, the Buffalo horns, face paint, uh, as represented on this lovely bobblehead that, uh, I had custom made, uh, for the promotion of our film Q sent me, which is the film that we started making about Jake, um, basically on January 7th. And, uh, so I got to know Jake, um, during the stop the steel movement, we interviewed him a couple of times and we had the opportunity to interview him uh, the morning after January 6th, uh, just two days before he was arrested. And so um, I think the, the thing I want to say is that it's great that uh, Jake is out and he's giving his story and talking about who he really is, because from the beginning, I know this is something that we talked about when you had me on back way back when I kept saying, you know, the story that's out there about Jake is He's nothing like what the media has painted him to be. Um, once you get to know him, he's surprisingly different uh, than you expect. And so it's going to be awesome to have him on here, just riffing about all of the different knowledge and ideas and perspectives that he has. I think it's going to be a great show.
0: All right, let's get into it. Jake, it's a pleasure to have you. <laughs> uh, it's uh, You know I I, I had the, a, perf- a certain formula in my head that I want to start with, this, but I actually think I want to start off with who are you from your perspective? I kind of want to start digging into your personal philosophy in life, kind of where you're coming from, because I think a lot of people were speaking for you when this all started, and that seemed to be where it ultimately ended up. It was, didn't so much become, you know, what did he do or, you know, anything. It became a referendum on who you were as a person without you having any sort of say whatsoever. So I think that's a good
2: place for us to start off at. Well, thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. Um, Yeah, what happened to me is something known as controversializing a person. It's not so much about what it is that they are saying or what it is that they have done. It's about them as a person and who they are, whether or not they're credible, whether or not they have things in their past or where they came from. It's its not actually, cause like I had a bunch of content up on YouTube. I had books written, I had stuff up on rumble. I had all sorts of stuff that the people really wanted to know who I was and what I stood for and how I was, and always have been for peaceful, nonviolent, non-cooperation for de- over a decade, then that could have easily been found, but they were not interested. The media was not interested in who I actually was. They were interested in making a straw man that they could then use as a, to create a shock and awe campaign as a means of smearing a whole swab of the population as extremists and as dangerous to the country and all sorts of stuff. So um, I am the antithesis of what the media painted me to be.
0: Yeah, which uh, we kind of touched on a little bit was the QAnon shaman. So I guess that's kind of the best place to start with. That was what you got dubbed as almost immediately. Uh, For one, you can be completely honest with you. I'm not the kind of person that is like, oh, if this person's flat earther, they believe in QAnon, this or that, that I immediately am like, well, I'll just dismiss them. I know a lot of people operate that way. I don't know. Maybe I've just had enough rational conversations with people who have weird obsessions like flat earth, and I just realized you know what? I don't know. I haven't looked into this enough. So maybe they have some perspective on this that I could glean something from. I have no idea. I mean, to be honest, say flat earth's a good example. Like it's like, I don't know. I couldn't really, mostly flat earthers. I couldn't debate them. I don't give a shit enough to know about the, the earth big circle. And same thing kind of with Q-Nall. I, I kind of listened to some of the things in the edge. It looked a little silly to me, but I, I don't know. Maybe there's something more there. I never really dug into it. So I guess I just kind of like did this do you actually have anything to do with that? If you do, it's fine. Or are you just someone that kind of like took little bits from it? So like, oh, that's interesting. Maybe you dabbled in those waters, but you wouldn't consider yourself a QAnon person per se. Just kind of where where are you coming from with that? Because it seems to be, you, you you don't seem to like that that name. And I guess if you don't agree with that at all, I can completely understand why that would be a, not a name you'd be a fan of, especially since its purpose is clearly to paint you as some crazy schizoid uh, conspiracists that shouldn't be listened to or, or maybe even to certain crowds there's an element of you're dangerous or something.
2: Well, let's start with where the name came from. Mm-hmm. The name came from Alex Jones when I did an interview with Alex Jones shortly after January 6th and then the media just ran with it and then they started this preposterous rumor or, or uh, they started printing the disinformation that I dubbed myself the QAnon shaman. That never happened. I never said I am a shaman. I never said I am the QAnon shaman. I never said any of that. I have always said I'm a shamanic practitioner, that I practice shamanism. So the that's to start. Secondly, when it comes to, it's not that I don't like per se the name, it's that the name itself has basically become a psychological trigger for people um, associated with my image. And that image and that psychological trigger are based in disinformation. And so when people hear, oh, QAnon shaman, and they get the image of me and my face painting my horns and, and coyote fur and stuff, they automatically have a bunch of presuppositions that are entirely non-factual. So that's why I you know, have moved away from that. Not because I don't necessarily think that Q has something to offer the public, but because it's more along the lines of it was a it was a term that was used to marginalize me, to uh, demonize me, and to place me into a conceptual box that I don't fit inside of. Now, when it comes to Q and the Q and on community, let's talk about that. So, Q. And the Q posts are largely nothing like the Q and on community. So, if you look at the Q posts, which there are thousands of them, and you look at the numerical code of the Q posts, uh, the how many you know, like the numbers that are up in the corner, you also look at the timestamps between Donald Trump's tweets and Q's posts. And you also look at the Q clock, which is basically a, a clock that has a bunch of dates above each of the different numbers. Um, so, you know, a bunch of dates above 12, a bunch of dates above uh, one, two, et cetera. And each of these dates is different. When you look into cryptology and you look into military intelligence and intelligence agencies and how cryptology works, how encoding information works, it becomes quite clear that the numerical code in the Q uh, posts, as well as the timestamps between Donald Trump's tweets and the Q posts and the Q clock are all pieces of the puzzle that indicate a very elaborate and methodical encrypted coded information. And so it's equivalent to what I would say would be the highest levels of the intelligence agencies and the military intelligence dumping a massive puzzle 5,000 piece puzzle on the, on the table of the internet and saying, okay, see how many of you guys put it together. Now, that being said, there's very real factual information that is dropped in the Q posts. That's just all there is to it. And one of the thing that, that I think is really interesting about Q is that Q doesn't tell people what to think. Q asks questions, thus asking people to think for themselves very much the antithesis of the operation mockingbird media what many people call the mainstream media or the corporate media now you talked about flat earth not a believer in flat earth buddy um (laughs) was it was
0: implying you were to be clear i was just i I know i know
2: but 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 q has been associated or q anons have been associated with the flat earth and i want to address that so in any psychological operation which q is definitely a psychological operation but everything is a psychological operation that is in the mainstream or is affecting millions of people's consciousness. So the information that Q is dropping is a psychological operation that is intended to draw attention to a couple of things. Number one, the debt-based currency in the central banking system. Number two, the use of human and child trafficking or human and child slavery. And the role that that industry, which is the largest black market industry in the world right now, the role that industry plays in the uh, government and the blackmailing of entertainers, of politicians, of bankers, of corporate CEOs, etc. And then so also the other thing that it draws attention, uh, the Q post, post draw attention to is this notion of blackmail. This notion of the centralization of power, the notion of uh, corruption and infiltration within the system. So uh, that's just you know, it's a small taste of the many things that are in the Q post, but I'm just giving those as very real examples because those are all things that are factually true. Now, yeah, I do remember within there being the like QAnon,
0: a, Oh good. So, no, no within delay, the Q and on
2: community, but really quick, within the Q and on community. There is heavy, heavy infiltration so that these ideas that are factually true can then be associated with ideas that are inherently false or easily disproven. Flat Earth is a good example. The idea that JFK Jr. is alive and gonna be Donald Trump's president, very clear example. Another example would be all of these predictions that were floating around in the QAnon community that never came true. So this is a means of discrediting all of this very real and true information and associating it with ideas that are logically entirely false.
1: Yeah, it's a it serves to neutralize something, right? And you know, one thing I wanted to say Jake, just uh, I wanted to go back to something you were talking about where you talked about Jones giving you the name the Q shaman. You know, what most people don't know is that that interview that you did with with Alex Jones, you were really excited about it. We have this, we have this scene in Q sent me episode one where Jake talks to Alex Jones. What people don't realize is Alex Jones was actually being, um, like he was being dismissive and ridiculing you in the way that he was talking to you. So the different names he, were thro- he was throwing out there, he wasn't doing that in a way that was like respectful at all. He was like, sort of mocking you and dismissing you And so it's really a name that he threw out there at a time where he was kind of mocking you that stuck, which I get. that's just got to be frustrating.
2: Yeah, you know, like they say, uh, don't meet your heroes. And I'm not saying Alex Jones is my hero, not saying that by a long shot. But, you know, yes, I was excited. I was like, oh, cool. Of all people, this guy wants to talk to me? And then it was, it's was a fucking ambush, man. You know, I, I got on there and then all of a sudden, you know, slammed with all these insults and making me out to be some sort of a kook or a nut. He interrupted me a bunch of times and et cetera, et cetera. And I would like to give him a second chance if he would simply apologize. Whether or not that's going to happen on air, I don't know. Um, but... I'm a loving and forgiving man. And I understand um, that Alex has a media persona. I also understand that he's an entertainer. There are some things that he says and has said for a long time that are factually true and have come to pass, but that doesn't negate the fact that he didn't treat me very well.
1: Yeah. And also your shamanic, your garb, your outfit, your shamanic dress predates your interest in Q. I mean, I mean, it's something you were doing a decade ago and most people are thinking, oh, this is just something this guy started doing during Stop the Steal or when he went to the Capitol. And it's like, no, this goes way back. It's before Trump. It's before Q.
2: That's 100 percent correct. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. It, uh <laughs> It,
0: what around what, what when was the time that you got on with Jones? Is that shortly after, obviously, before you got locked up, like immediately after? Because that, that was my perception. So I'm not saying Alex Jones was being a limited, is a limited hangout, like, or in an in intentional sense, but I almost feel like the, uh, the incentives were in place at that given time because the, the right wing. Uh, I mean, I know a lot of my crowd, the libertarians, the anarchists, were very much like a lot of at least the good ones right off the bat were good on January 6th. But a lot of the conservatives still had this knee jerk, like almost trying to like cock to the left, like, oh, no, 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 that was bad. But I don't know. Maybe it's not as bad as you think. So, like, I almost feel like there was some of that vibe in the air at that time. So it almost looked, was like he was looking to place blame, find somewhere for there to be blamed, to be placed and I guess I can kind of understand from a, you know, semi schizoid perspective as a lot of us are. If you do have a guy that's kind of sticks out like a sore thumb at some major event, you may, you may immediately kind of start, you know, conspiratorializing your head. Like, well, maybe this guy was some sort of limited hangout himself, or maybe he was a, I don't know. He was an actor. You know, I I can, I can understand, you know, like for all I know, you could be as it is. I know I I kind of lean towards it. You aren't, but I I don't know. This this the whole world's theater to me. So I don't know, uh, I just kind of operate off of, you know, the information I have at the time. I have no idea. You could be a complete fed
2: up for all I know. But you well, know, point I, I'm not, is- uh, allow me to dispel that right now. Not a fed, you know, not CIA, not a failed actor. You know, I've never acted a day in my life just because I had an acting profile I made in like 2019. Doesn't mean I'm an actor. I also had a voiceover profile and not, that never got mentioned. You know, I I can do over 30 different voices and um, accents that never got mentioned. It just got mentioned that I was a failed actor or a deep state actor or a CIA asset. And it's the stuff floating around on the Internet is so preposterous.
1: Yeah. And it's really interesting to even mention this, because what's what's interesting is that on January 6th, it was in the evening after what happened at the Capitol, that I ran into Jake on the street in front of the JW Marriott and a bunch of MAGA people or a handful of MAGA people were kind of, uh, uh, accosting him and they were sort of talking about that BLM Antifa narrative to him. They were like, because that story had gotten out there. Oh, this guy was at a BLM rally and he, oh, he's probably an infiltrator. And so Jake's kind of in this conversation with these people on the street. And this is, this is right after things happened, right? It's very confusing in D.C. And I remember I went up to him and I, I got in between these people and I said, hey, listen, look, I can vouch for Jake because I saw him calling out infiltrators out in Arizona when I was there weeks ago. Like he was he was the guy trying to get rid of the infiltrators. This is not the infiltrator. And so that story had gotten out into the ether within hours of what happened at the capitol and what's that quote jake it's like um you know the lie goes halfway around the world before the truth gets its shoes on right yeah i like that yeah what's so bad about media it's just the spreading of darkness
2: at the speed of light
0: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I do think there's something interesting you're you're touching on q earlier Uh, And I think there is an interesting point to be had from that because, yeah, you are right. I do vaguely remember sort of the Q phenomenon around the time. There was like a lot of people did just get summed up as being like, oh, this guy's a QAnon person. But it's like, okay, what does that mean? Like, how are you interpreted? Personally, my feeling if I had to make some wild guesses, I do think there probably is truth to a lot of this stuff. There was they did, you know, open a lot of people's eyes. Uh, I do think it was some sort of op of some sort. Now, you could say that it's like a white hat, black hat thing, which a lot of people do. Well, they'll be like, well, maybe these were the good guys within it. I mean, I would make the case that that's more of like a limited hangout type thing. If that's the case, maybe it's just like they realize we pushed the bar too far. Maybe we need to, you know, maybe sort of drop little, little drops, you know, if you will, to make it seem like maybe there's some good guys left here and can get back to like a respectable. I mean, we've been seeing a lot of the whistleblowers lately coming out from the FBI talking about, and a lot of times their message seems seems to be, and I'm not trying to cast any shade. I have no idea if this is, like, to what extent this is legit or if it's contrived or some mixture of the two. I, I actually just had a, a Kyle Seraphim on my show re- recently. Great guy. I have no no reason to believe he had any, you know, bad intentions. But it is, it's a no. is, I've noticed a trend with a lot of these whistleblowers come out. It's like, we just need to get back to, like, a respectable time, as if that was there was a time <laughs> when the FBI was like that. So that's why I say it's like a limited hangout. But either way, I guess you kind of take the good with the bad and you, you take what you can in it. That is, I do think there was a lot to glean from the queue, but there also were a lot of crazy, I don't know, 80-year-olds that were just like hanging on every drop, you know, and, and, and cr- come up with crazy ideas. But there were a lot of people that were applying, you know, smart, critical analysis of a lot of this stuff and being like, well, I don't know. Maybe just keep an eye out for this or that. I mean, they bring up a lot of good stuff, stuff I've been saying for years already, type stuff like that. You know, you brought up the kind of Epstein stuff and then, you know, controlling Hollywood. And, you know, Jason, you know, interact with Ye a lot. And Ye had the whole thing with Pasternak, which I don't know if you saw recently, like the trainer who also was a trainer to Ellen Page and a bunch of other people that have, you know, clearly have mental health problems. And here comes this guy that's, you know, able to, you know, prescribe medicines and do all sorts of weird kook stuff. And here we right. are. <laughs> From what I
2: understand, he was um he was in charge of mind control in the Canadian military. Yep. You're gonna say something, Jason?
1: I was just gonna say, Jake, you notice how they always protest too much. You know, they like they're like, there's none of this is going on. This is crazy. There's no mind control, child stuff, manipulation. Like, it's like, no, that's all that's all happening. We and now it's to the point where we, I do, I do think over the last few years, like it's, it's a watershed moment where people have recognized enough is they've seen enough about Hollywood. They've seen enough come out about elite blackmail. Like it, it, it's just like it, we've seen enough that's been proven and that's even been covered that, that, that normal people are seeing it, that now people are starting to say, well, you know, the other stuff that sounds pretty crazy, that's not maybe that crazy.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, I, I saw a really funny post. It had um, the dude from the Big Lebowski and he's like looking with his mouth open and he says, well, like, shouldn't the conspiracy theorists be considered the experts? Because they haven't been wrong about anything in the last couple of years. Right. You know what I mean? It's And so all this stuff that people were getting banned for a couple of years ago, now it's coming, you know, to fruition of like, well, we told you, you know, with the, with the vaccine, which is actually just mRNA gene therapy, it's not even a vaccine. We said, you know, a lot of people were saying, oh, I wouldn't take that. And people were lining up just to get the jab so that they could go back to normal. Um, we could go into it, Russia, Russia, Russia. We could go into the Clinton emails. We could go into um, Podesta's emails. You know, the thing is, like you said, you protest too much. It's like, if this wasn't true, then you'd open up the books and you'd be like, look, it's right here, okay? This is what it is, but that's not what's happening. You know, we're just, they expect us to just trust them at their word. And the fact of the matter is we're being asked to trust proven liars, people that have been proven liars again and again and again. And somehow these people still have their hands on the levers of power.
1: Yeah. And, and I I do think we have seen like a crisis of credibility occur over the last few years. You know, it's been a domino effect of things. And in a lot of ways, I think it d- did start with the election of Trump and the attacks. You know, regular people woke up and they were like, they're coming at this dude harder than anyone else ever. And then it that transitioned into covid. And then that was where the whole censorship regime happened. And then. And it's like those that series of things occurred. And so, you know, I do think that the that the establishment and the Mockingbird media, all of that, they do have a bit of a credibility crisis right now. And I don't know how they're going to recapture it. You know, it's like even just tonight, like Rachel Maddow, whatever channel she's on, what MSNBC, whatever. They're like, we are not going to live stream Donald Trump's comments because we're so committed to truth and not broadcasting misinformation and it's like nobody believes you when you're saying this
0: yeah it's it's ridiculous uh Shane my buddy Shane Cashman he has this uh he talks about uh, uh, like a simulation being a simulation reality type thing and it's like he says that but what he really says I've had him explain to me for and it's he says it's almost like there's different realities and the simulation is like the distortion essentially and what we we have this prime reality of what really is going on that and then you have like this reality. It's laid on top of it. It's like other simulated reality, and it's almost like a, For me, I see it as like this is like perception. Perception is reality. And if you think about how perception has been altered, we brought up you know, yay the like the Pastor Neck stuff, which ties into you know, Ellen Elliot Page and all that stuff. And then on top of that, you know, kind of getting into like the January Six. I mean, the Oklahoma City bombing. Like when you start, or like you know, uh, I don't know, the Michigan kidnapping. Once you start understanding the and you apply this like this understanding to history as well and how this has altered our you know perception going through life like you look at Oklahoma City bombing how infiltrated that entire thing was with feds you know whether they did it or not you know themselves but at the very least they were infiltrated to the gill so not to what extent did they Bolster those militia movements slash white power movements of the time, and made them a bigger threat than they actually were because they were the ones creating on them and and you know growing its ranks. And then how was that carried forth through history? And then now you have things like Michigan doing the same exact thing. And now how does that affect per, uh, perception? You know how does uh, you know Elliot Page deciding you know to have this brave and stunning moment of now I'm trans. Uh, how does that affect uh, public perception? Like, and now you apply this and how this distorts the average person. And I think we're getting to this point where I don't know if they've just seen enough glitches in the matrix to where they're just like starting to look th- for, you know, prime reality. And, you know, I brought this example up a few times, but I think it's great. Uh, I mean, it's, it sounds like I'm blovying about myself, but really, if anything, it's more an indictment on the uh, system. Like there's been a handful of times recently with, I don't know if you guys know Jeffrey Tubin, the guy who got busted for jerking off on the Zoom call uh, during peak COVID. But he was like a prime, like a big time CNA contributor. And he recently made, uh, you know, a whole book about McVeigh and like the whole premise being how like uh, almost borderline making the point that like right-wingers are kind of just like McVeigh. And it is like, for one, that's like completely missing the point. Because if you're focused on left and right with McVeigh story, it, it, you're missing the point. The point is the Fed, the Fed involvement. but either way, I've ratio like he literally put out a post at one point of him going on CNN to talk with I forget the, the silver-haired g- gay dude that you know Anderson Cooper, uh, but uh, you know that guy. and he got like less than 100 likes on announcing he was going on CNN to promote his book on <laughs> like to like their biggest repor- uh, reporter or whatever. No one gave a damn. I've just did, I've done multiple posts where like just OKC related posts, you know, just about like informational and done like 500 plus, 1,000 plus, whatever. And there's been multiple times I just tagged him just to, just to flex on him. Just be like, this is, <laughs> and then he has like a quarter million followers and it's, and like goes through the all entire fake. establishment. And all I have fake. like 5,000. So it's like, like, what does this say? What, like, it's not even like I'm like, I don't know. It's not saying I'm amazing. I know people get way bigger numbers than me, uh, you know, all that stuff. But it's like, I think it's telling you know, we're obviously it's a little bit apples and oranges, but we're putting out similar content and this is what the people are biting on. Like they are losing their, their credibility as you're getting at. Uh, but I,
1: I guess well, this I can, kind of, I, oh, go ahead. go
2: ahead. Oh, go ahead. I'd like to speak to this because what you're stumbling upon is actually very real psychological warfare techniques. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there are three separate versions of reality, quote unquote, that people can perceive. There is one, the collective objective universe. That is the truth-based universe that everybody lives in and can perceive. Okay, then there are what are called personal subjective universes. That is realities where the person's subconscious mind is wired in a way that they perceive reality a very specific way that is very specific to them. And that no matter what happens in the collective objective universe, they're going to see reality that way. And then there's something called the uh, collective subjective universe. And that collective subjective universe is where you get a bunch of people that agree on a personal subjective universe to come together and get in an echo chamber where they all socially reinforce their own views of reality. And because of that social reinforcement, the neuro-linguistic programming in their brain becomes even more enforced. Their subconscious mind governs their conscious mind and its perception of reality, okay? Now, through psychological warfare techniques, neuro-linguistic programming, which basically is the use of trigger images, and trigger words combined to create emotional responses and program the neurons in people's brains through linguistics and through images to perceive reality a certain way, right? So through through neuro-linguistic programming in this strategy, you can use media, whether that be phones, televisions, radios, newspapers, magazines, what have you, to use this formula to then divide the country into two separate groups or more of people that believe this and people that believe that. And then you can have them butting heads with one another over this collective subjective universe that each of them live in. Not the actual collective objective universe, not actually the real freaking world. So in this way, what has happened is that the media, all of these things I just listed, have been used to create veils in front of people's perception of reality, and in the process, there's also been chemical veils. That would be our the pollution in the water, fluoride, um, chlorine, lead, aluminum, you know, stuff in the food, you know, the pesticides, all the preservatives, all the artificial ingredients, um, the chemtrails, stratospheric aerosol injections, which are very real. Um, and ELFs, extremely low frequency waves. These are the things that we use to communicate with each other that are mind-altering. They cause depression, they cause anxiety, and they can also be used as uh, piggybacking, uh, piggyback devices so that they can send frequencies to certain people, certain phones, certain televisions, etc. cetera. So all of these things act as like um, chemical and electrical veils in front of people's perception of reality. And the only people that really know what's actually going on are the people behind the scenes controlling all of this stuff. These are the people that have the security clearances. These are the people that are in this upper portion of the caste system within this larger system of what is called full spectrum dominance, which is the control of the, the land, the water, the air, the underground, the military bases, space, um, chemical and biological uh, agents technology and the mind having full spectrum dominance over all of those things is what the military industrial complex or the deep state or the globalists have and these are the people that understand and know what the collective objective universe is they have the security clearances to be given all of this information and they're the ones perpetrating these psychological warfare techniques on the public
0: Yeah, no, uh, MKUltra never ended. Uh, I mean, yeah, maybe technically you could say it did. Maybe that specific program shut down, but let's be real. It had children and they they had children. And I think a lot of people, you know, like to, when they think of things like MKUltra, they have this specific idea and it's like, no, you need to stop having such a myopic view of it. Now think about, you know, these experiments during what was it like the 50s-ish, 60-ish times, and now apply what lessons you could learn from them and sprinkle that out into other aspects. Like we've already touched on with Hollywood. Now, how does that affect you know the 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 public? When you start, you know, you all you gotta do is find specific individuals and start fucking with them and you know get them to start doing things you want to do. There are ways to break people's brain and do it in such a way that it rebuilds in a way that you can exploit. Like it's it's not a a mind-blowing concept. Like you look at I mean, like the Ellen Page thing, not to keep harping on there. Like there was a recent thing I haven't, maybe I'm missing some context, but she was talking about how she was hearing voices in her head and was like hitting herself and all sorts of stuff like this. Like, okay, but what, what else is going on? Like, and then, so then your, 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 you know, logical deduction from that was, I guess I'm a dude. I, I, I'm going to yeah. off like my, with, my ch- chest. I, I like, I don't know. Like- yeah. With the
1: help, <laughs> with the help of certain people in yes. key positions to whisper into their ear, you know? And it's interesting, Jake, the whole thing that you just broke down for us, you know, that re- it, it, reminds me of the first time we sat with you. We, we interviewed you in December of uh, 2020 um, what you were out at DC for something and me and Paul sat down with you, or I think it was just Paul and he was just asking you about yourself. This is pre January 6th. And I remember when I saw that interview for the first time and I was like, dude, this guy's got like encyclopedic knowledge at like, he has the connections and the information and everything. And he's, he's able to pull it together and weave it together and, and, and connect it to all these things so articulate, like so, so knowledgeable, look so well-spoken. And it was like, it was that experience with you that then when things went down a couple weeks later and I I saw you on TV, I was like, wow, like, this is there, this is not the guy I experienced. Like the guy I experienced is totally different than the media is trying to portray you as. And, and I want to say one thing that happened shortly after that, you know, like, We had the interview with you on January 7th of 2021 and we put a trailer together and we actually started to pitch this film to Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, all of the big players. And what happened was none of them were interested. Netflix said they were offended we would pitch it because we were making you out to be too likable. And we were like, guys, this is just no, so this is the story. The guy's actually, like, pretty chill. <laughs> and and he's, he's different than the than the media narrative. But nobody wanted anything that was a break from the media narrative. They wanted to, somebody to produce the version of the, the mean, dangerous individual that they saw in a still camera shot all over every newspaper in, in America. And so... It's just, it's, it's really interesting. And it's, it's one of the things that I kept always talking about was like, look, this guy's so different than you would think. And, you know, you've talked about how frustrating it was for you to be in jail and see things happening out in the world where the story was being told about you and you couldn't defend yourself.
2: Yeah, that was really rough, especially while being in solitary confinement you know, um, and not having any control over what the government or what the media was saying and getting a hold, like, cause there was a guy in the pod that I was in because I was in a pod with six other cells. Um, but I was in a, I was in a cell all by myself. And then we would get rotated out every, you know, what is it? 22 hours. We would get rotated out and we get to go shower, watch TV or get on the phone. And so there was a guy in that pod that was getting the newspapers. And he was a conservative and he would, you know, when he saw these articles, he'd slip them under my door and say, hey, check this out. And I'd read it and I'd go, oh, my God, this is all bullshit. Like, like I cannot believe. And, and I'm sorry if I'm cussing. I don't know. No, you're it- fine. Cuss, oh, it, okay. cuss away. <laughs> okay. I just thought, you know, my God, this is all bullshit. It's not real. This is this is non-factual. They're saying I'm a failed actor or that I'm an actor. They're saying that I call myself the QAnon shaman. They're saying that um, I was violent. They're saying all this stuff that is not true. And it, what it does is it speaks to this idea of the collusion between the Operation Mockingbird media and the government. And so if we understand Operation Mockingbird, and we understand infiltration instead of invasion and we understand this notion of full spectrum dominance and controlling the minds of the people and their perception of reality creating collective subjective universes that butt heads right so that the real reality never comes to light then we can begin to understand how it is that this media apparatus is actually state-run media it's like the Pravda. It's it is state-run media. It's like the Soviet German media. Would you trust the Soviet Union media? Would you trust the Nazi-run media? No. So then, why are we trusting these mockingbird media outlets?
0: Yeah, you're you're totally right. I wanna. I was just thinking while you're talking. Uh, I kind of want to get into, I guess, your motivations, but specifically in reference to the whole. The whole bit, the whole get up, because I was thinking about it and I was noticing you know, as you're talking, I'm noticing like, OK, this guy is really getting it. He's a really you're clearly kind of a creative type. And so now I'm trying to imagine, you know, your reasonings for things. And, you know, Jason's, you know, big into the whole yay thing. We, we've talked about yay and stuff like that. And he knows my opinion on that whole situation recently, which I'm sure you may have followed along with a little bit. I and mean, I know you had other things going on, Jake, but I know he kind of he kind of split the world in a certain way with some things he did in and, and multiple camps emerged out of that. And I think, I don't think, I still don't think Yay is an anti-Semite or some kind. I think that was performance art of, on the, of the highest level. And I really think it was like a, I'm going to break the world's brain and I'm going to see where people fall down on this and, you know, create this example. So I'm like, I'm wondering, was this some sort of levels thing that you were doing as well? Were you, did you have some idea in your mind? Because it may actually end up paying off in the long run. It was it may not have that immediate effect that uh, breaking the you know social narrative uh, it, like Yay did, but it, you know, like I said, you know, here you are now telling your story personally. You know, one little note: I would actually personally suggest embracing the QAnon Shaman thing, even though that's not you, just because you know one of those things of owning that the like kind of flipping the script kind of thing. But that's obviously you know whatever that's that's your thing. Just a little suggestion because I think it would play into that vibe I'm suggesting right now. But I'm just kind of curious, was there some sort of thought process like that going on? Because uh, I do find that interesting because it is like, obviously, it drew attention. It made you the center of attention. It is kind of make, raises questions. I don't know. Just what was your thought process around that specifically?
2: Well, it's an ages old technique. So first of all, let's address the regalia. Shamanic cultures have their shamans dress that way or the shamans choose to dress that way For a couple of reasons. Number one, it's akin to priestly robes in our civilization. Number two, it's designed to ward off evil spirits and scare off evil spirits and uh, scare off the enemy, basically. Number three, what it also does is I take largely from the Hiyoka tradition where the Hiyoka does a lot of things that the culture that they're in, they do them backwards, So they'll walk backwards or ride the horse backwards or all sorts of stuff. And this is, or they'll dress in a way that is strange. And they do this to disrupt the cultural programming, what we call neuro-linguistic programming. They do it to disrupt the cultural program. And once that cultural programming is disrupted, the hioka is then able to interject or, or inject into these people's minds the true nature of reality. Basically show them you're living in a collective uh, subjective universe, not the collective objective universe that I'm living in. This is reality, folks. And if I got to slap you across the face with the wet fish to do it, then that's I'm doing it for your benefit. So by dressing in that way, it was a way of disrupting the neuro-linguistic programming. It was a way of shocking the cognitive system, shocking the syntactical system. And then people would come up to me and they talk to me or want to take a picture with me. And then I would get a chance to lay on the true nature of what was going on. And like, I, like uh, Jason said, I've been dressing that way for over a decade. So this is an ages old technique that has been proven to work. And so if it works, well, don't fix it. You know what I mean? Uh, it, just do it. And so the regalia is a multi, yes, it is multi-leveled. And there is strategy to it. And the I understand what you're saying about the term Q uh, shaman or Q QAnon shaman. And it's not that I'm, because like in all these interviews, people have used that term because that's what I'm so well known as. Um, but at the same time, I don't call myself that.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It yeah no I, I i'm I'm pretty ambivalent on it, but it just my maybe it's just my tendencies if someone branded me with some sort of name, especially one that has semi negative things to it and if I especially if I can spin it and make it a positive and you've already done the branding for me, hell yeah, let's fucking go that's my vibe but i I mean well, I can I, totally I, understand trying to reclaim you know your your image as well so in
2: some of my merch bro I have merch in some of my merch we we ran with it yeah, yeah. you know. And it's great merch, it's freaking hilarious. Um, but no, and I understand where you're coming from and to a certain extent, you're right. And I have used it to a very large extent to do kind of like what you're saying Ye was doing. I haven't followed him too much to know exactly what exactly uh, he did or said, but this idea of breaking the narrative and, and using some form of shock value to explain the nature of how people are being deceived. And I, I think that I've done a pretty good job so far. Yeah,
1: yeah and I, I wanted to say one other thing, Jake. You know, you're talking about your, shaman, uh, your shamanic outfit and the things that you do in that, in that nature. And I think when, one thing I want to mention is, you know, when we first ran into you in December in D.C., we'd seen you in Phoenix before, but when we ran into you in D.C. in December of 2020, you were chanting and drumming out in front of the Supreme Court. Like, that's what you were doing. And you were wearing a suit and a MAGA hat, you know. And we asked you what you were doing. And you said, oh, you know, I'm just like clearing your evil spirits out of here. And so it's only natural that somebody who is going to the different power centers in Washington, D.C. to cleanse those places of evil and darkness, right, which is what you were doing. And you're a person who believes that you actually can have an impact on it. Like, you see it that way. Other people might think that's crazy, but it's like, no, you're like, I'm impacting the quantum realm, I'm breaking up the darkness and the power, str- the, the stronghold, and it's like, so if if a guy like that actually believes that, do you think he would hesitate for a moment to go inside the Capitol into the Senate <laughs> to chant and and pray? To cast out evil spirits from the power center of the of the center of darkness, you know? So it's one of those things that I've also talked about, but what I saw is I was like, no, this is this is what it's about. Is it's like, it's about, I have the opportunity, I don't wanna speak for you, and I know you you likely won't speak about this in this interview, but like I could see wow. Yeah. He's got an opportunity. It's like God opened the door to go in there and try to break up the stronghold of darkness, you know? And so it's one of those things that I think also it was, you were done such a disservice and, you know, you didn't have an opportunity to really make your case before the people in the courts because of how things went down. But I think if people understood that it would make more sense, like why you found yourself where you were and what you did. and and um, i don't know i just think that's interesting yeah i, uh, I think it's very like...
2: interesting too
0: <laughs> god i had a Thank thought you, jason but, yeah but Thank I, I was you. thinking throughout this whole thing and a lot of stuff we've touched on as i think in the stuff that you've kind of done stuff that jason does and stuff that i do uh, as a nature of kind of what we sort of are doing the realm we're, we're in we're kind of in the realm of propaganda Propaganda has this negative connotation to it because it usually means uh, you know, a falsehood attached to it. It doesn't necessarily mean that. I actually think every dissident should read things like uh, uh, two books, for How to Win Friends and Influence People, for one, because you learn how to interact with people, which is just like you'd think it would be no-brainer stuff, but it's, some people just need that to be spelled out for them. And then two, you know, which is touching more what I'm getting at, is like Edward Bernays's Propaganda. Because I think if you learn the tricks that the the cabal uses against us and you apply it for truth, it actually holds more power. Uh, I I think in a lot of stuff we're touching on here is the things, for example, with the yay thing and kind of like, you know, breaking the narrative In a lot of ways that kind of resembles these trauma cycles. They put humanity through where you have these major events like that. They try to gin up trauma for to create some sort of split, but now you need to find a way to utilize that creative destruction uh, to your own benefit, uh, and obviously not doing it in a way that legitimately hurts people. Like all that yay really did was say, I don't know. I love the Nazis. I love the Jews. I think Hitler had some, had some good ideas here and there or whatever, you know? And it's like, it was things that you could interpret it one way or the other. And, you know, depending on your interpretation, you can be upset. He, he uh, we, we <laughs> brought, It really was masterful
2: performance. Art I'm looking at Jay's. And yeah, I'm he's like, just figuring this out. Jake, I'm you probably should I, go I, watch I,
1: that interview on Alex Jones, he did. Yeah, yeah
2: <laughs> oh my god. Like Jesus Christ. Like, oh my God. He said, What? Yeah. yeah. No. But yeah, think about he how did. that
0: resembles that, how the parallels between that. He essentially did something. This he touched on this nerve that they the, the powers that be have essentially you know created through their trauma cycles, so that it's just like this little. Pressure point that if you touch on, if you say these words in this formula, the world will blow up. He, and he what do you do with that?
1: <laughs> he attempted to break or shatter what I call a sacred narrative, right? Yep. Like it isn't about whether or not what he said was accurate. You agree with it. No, no, no. That people were getting caught up in that. He came full on, full force, and attacked sacred narratives that you're never supposed to talk about and he did it on Alex Jones's show and it like it had the impact of shifting people's consciousness around whether or not you can actually engage in conversations on these untouchable ideas is is yeah. what it is so it's sort of like it he did he did something that was similar to like breaking people's programming whether or not you agree with it it doesn't matter the programming got broken in a way that now certain issues are being talked about differently than they were and so Absolutely. it's similar to what i think when we talk about talk about this with you it's like when you were out there talking about sex tra- child sex trafficking and the you know the satanic rituals and all that like somewhere along the way that narrative has actually gotten shattered so like normal people can talk about this because of what's come to light right and so in a way this whole discussion of propaganda, it's about—propaganda is a neutral term. It's, it's actually about how do you effectively uh, confront, break, and shape narrative, and those of us who are trying to do it in service of truth and human flourishing and peace, like, some people need to get way better at it, but I think a lot of what you've thought about and, and talked about—you've probably read that book by Bernays, but you've looked into— those techniques for a long time, haven't you, Jake?
2: Yeah, I wrote about it extensively in my book One Mind at a Time, A Deep State of Illusion by Jacob Angeli. Um, Jose, if you haven't got it, I would suggest that you do. It's on Amazon. It's only $9.99. My mother keeps insisting that I charge more, and I've told her no. You know, I, it's not about money, it's about the message. I don't, it's not about money. It's about getting this book out there. It's only 150 pages, 999, really easy to get really easy to read and it breaks everything down. And it talks about this idea of the collective objective universe, the collective subjective universe, personal subjective universes. It talks about these psychological warfare techniques. It talks about Edward Bernays. It talks about how he basically figured out that there are these psychological triggers when um, a message is mass produced to millions of people and how you can use that to make money or you can use that to start wars, or you can use that to make something cool or fashionable. You know, you can use it to, for all sorts of things. And it is an invisible arm of control that the government will use, you know. And I, Terrence McKenna, one of my favorite authors and lecturers once said that he asked the psychedelic mushroom, you know, uh, um, uh, for advice one time. And the mushroom said, If you don't have a plan, you become a part of somebody else's plan. (laughs) And it's very true because if we got a bunch of people walking around without a plan, they're they're, you know, I I saw this video recently about these uh, fleas that were raised inside of captivity, inside of a jar where the jar was closed. And the fleas at first, when they were first placed in there, they would try to jump out of the jar and they would hit the ceiling, they'd hit the, the, the plastic or whatever that was keeping them in there, and then they started to breed inside the jar, and then eventually, after enough generations and they, of the fleas, they, would, they opened the jar, and they would never try to jump outside the jar. They'd just jump up to the top, you know, where the, where the plastic was. And the video was trying to draw the parallels to public education or government education and colleges, and the mockingbird media, and how it is that we have basically been indoctrinated not to jump outside the jar. Now, another analogy, given this jar thing, and I think you were at my event, uh, Jason, so you you heard this, is there was an experiment done where they put a bunch of red ants and a bunch of black ants inside of a jar. And they left them there. They were not fighting with each other, they were working with their own little group of ants, no problem, you know, red ants working with the red ants, black ants working with black ants. But then as soon as somebody came up and shook the jar, the ants started tearing each other apart because they associated the chaos inside the jar with the other ants, right? And so we have been kept like fleas in a jar or ants in a jar and we haven't developed to try to escape the jar and people every now and then that control our socioeconomic and geopolitical system through these psychological warfare techniques, through full spectrum dominance, they come up and they shake the jar and then they get everybody in the country fighting each other. And in, this, in the meantime, they move in, they take control of the arms of government and propaganda, and then they assume control and normalize that control.
0: Yeah. No, I mean that in a sense, yeah. once again, to make the point that I was kind of with the Yate thing is he did create this weird shakeup. It's a similar tool. You get a, I mean, obviously it doesn't have the same exact effect. I guess, I guess and to make that parallel, it's almost like it, it allowed you to see who was tearing each other apart and who was being rational. Like I'll go over with these ants over here that aren't ripping each other to shreds. And maybe these guys can guide us to a better future because they actually see what's going on. I, I think that was, you know, one of the great messages that, you know, I guess I say great, make it sound like he gave some, you know, great sermon, but you know, yeah, no, he just that, said that insane That doesn't sound things.
2: like a great message to me. No, but um, no, I'm not saying, that, saying though. Yeah. I understand yes. what you're saying. Yes. What you're saying is that he shattered the narrative. And like what Jason was saying is he touched a nerve that, oh, you can't talk about this. You can't say this. And it's like, well, yeah. dude, it, it, hate speech. The idea of hate speech is a limiting of free speech. That's just all there is to it. They're trying to come after our ability to speak freely. And, yeah, and I do not agree with the idea that Hitler was right. I do not agree with the idea that, that there's a Jewish conspiracy. If anything, I would say that there may be a uh, Kazarian mafia, mafia conspiracy. <laughs> <The> Kazarian shit. <laughs> yeah. But even then, like I would say that the Kazarian mafia likely has a monopoly on the black market and therefore has ties to the, the monopolized market of 150 companies. But that's not a Jewish conspiracy because the thing is they aren't practicing judaism they're using judaism as a shield yep. so they can the do all this nefarious shield. activity yep. and yes. that's that's called co-opting they've been that's been being done for thousands of years
0: mm-hmm. yeah no you hit the head on the hit nail on the head when we had owen on our comedy show the other day obviously like we made a lot of fucked up jokes but you know that was one of the things he brought up which is like a great way to put it because it is it is a hard phenomenon to describe that but it is like this is a liability shield, and to touch on these trauma cycles, this trauma happened, and you know, depending on you know whether it was real, whether it's fake, whatever, or you know whether it was ginned up, it's still this thing that there has been a ton of genocides, and there's this one we always harp on and always get people freaked out about, and act like it's the end all be all, and we've created this traumatized group. And there's a certain people, a group of individuals who take, you know, capitalize off that like you're describing. And then they get to kind of create this like in-group preference to where, oh, we're, they're all going to, you know, kill us all again if, we don't, if you, we don't do this. Like, look at the hate that's emerging. And it's like, well, I, don't, I don't know. Let's be realistic here. <laughs> I,
1: I, I'll contemporize this because it's like Jan 6 has become a trauma mm-hmm. cycle, right? Yep. So the left and the Democrats have used that it, it, because what, it, what was it? Pearl Harbor and civil war, nine 11 /11. combined. Oh yeah. 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 And so they've attempted to create a, it's a manufactured trauma in a lot of ways because Mm -hmm. most people didn't experience that day. And most of the people who did speaking for myself, didn't experience as a Mm -hmm. big trauma. Right. But they used it and they've traumatized an entire nation and then used it to then demonize an entire other group. So it's like that whole, that, just that, that that blueprint is something that the, those that control our minds, society, media, everything, they continue to use it. They've used it for thousands of years. They're going to continue to use it. And it's like once you notice it and once you see it, then you can break free from it.
0: Yeah, that and that's I, why I said that it, it's like the inverse with something like Ye did, where he he found that thing that they created that they exploited in the trauma cycle and touched it, and then then created an, a, like almost an inverted trauma cycle to where it kind of had the similar effect. Uh, but it was I, I, I mean, I don't know if I, I would say it was more of like a neutral thing. Once again, I'm not saying Hitler did, was was right. I don't even think that's what Ye was saying. I think people were taking things he was saying. And then, you know, attaching their own meanings to it, which if you heard the things he said, a lot of stuff he said, it's like, okay, well, you can interpret that multiple different ways. People were just like, oh, my God. That's part of my
2: issue with him. Yeah. Because I watched him on Tucker Carlson and I listened to some of the things he was saying and I was like, the hell are you talking about, sir? You know, like, like, I, I mean, I think I understand what you're saying, but you're really not going about the right way of saying it. Kind of like with Alex Jones, it's the same thing with Alex Jones. There's a lot of things he's been right about, but if it wasn't for the fact that he's yelling all the time and he's pounding on the table and he's screaming, you know, and roar, it's like, whoa, dude, you know, I understand what you're saying, but you need to just take it down a notch there, sir. And <laughs> one thing that I think Jason brought a point to is this idea of, okay, they, used neuro-linguistic programming to say January 6th, 9-11, Pearl Harbor. And they said it over and over and over again to associate those events with January 6th. Now let's think about this. They tried to say that January 6th was one of the darkest days in our nation's history and that it was the worst attack on the Capitol ever. And what they are trying to suppress is the fact that the Weather Underground, an extreme radical communist lefty group actually blew up the Capitol in, I believe it was the 1970s. Um, there was also a, ma- a mass shooting on behalf, I believe it was Puerto Ricans, um, where congressmen were actually killed at the Capitol. I believe that was either in the 50s or the 60s. So, um, no, no you know, uh, you know, like, have you factually read- incorrect? Yeah, exactly. Like, where's the fact checkers on this here? You know? Um, so the thing is, is uh, I, and this is something I actually brought up to a, a, a on a spaces the other day with a bunch of liberals, because they were trying to bring this up. And I said, well, no, and I brought these two examples up. And I said, have, are you guys even reading history? Or do you guys even know what you're talking about? Because what you're saying doesn't make any sense. And this is how what you were saying earlier about suppressing history and controlling our view of history and how that controls our view of reality. It's Orwellian. It's 1984. They're treating it like it's an instruction manual, not a warning label.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, you're totally right. It It is funny. Uh, we were kind of talking about the trauma cycles and it's almost like the the more it gets closer to modern day, the less less like actual truth there is to whatever the traumas are that they're perpetrating, you know, cause like we started with the worst, one of the worst examples, you know, obviously the Holocaust and kind of how there was a trauma cycle that was generated from that. And it was kind of this thing that's constantly brought up. Obviously it's, it's a bad thing and that should never happen again. But it's like when you compare it to the many other genocides, but then as we get further down the line, we get to things now where we're like, you know, like, Oh, this, this is like the worst attack on democracy ever. And it's like, why is it in the back In the good old days? It was like there, I guess, I guess the good old days might be the wrong way to put it. It was (laughs) like, there was actually like, are they just losing this much power to where they just are just getting that much more incompetent and desperate. It, It is like a, it is weird to kind of read the tea leaves. Like, it was almost like there was like a reality and they just to it to somewhat to like the prior events. And now that, and they just capitalized on it and utilize that to whatever way they could kind of like never let a good thing go to a disaster, go to waste or whatever. And now it's getting to the point where like, shit, we're not even really meeting the, the uh, standard of having a, a legitimate disaster. <laughs> you know?
2: Yeah, And I'm about that, they totally marginalize and suppress the truth about the mass, genocide in china with with the introduction of communism the mass genocide of russians in the soviet union the mass genocide yes of jews but also homosexuals and gypsies in europe during the nazi occupation and in particular how every single one of these mass genocides were perpetrated by socialists and communists and i mean if you really want to get into history uh, what's um Uh, what's his name, Um, Genghis Khan. Dude, 60 million people in a single lifetime. The Mongolian hordes moved across like a third of the planet and just wiped people out. You know, they would go from village to village or or city to city and literally like within a couple of days wipe out every man, woman, and child or enslave the women and the children and kill every man. You know, so, to me, it's like, well, hold on, like, like what you're saying. Yes, they are running out of traumas. And here's the thing about traumas, okay? It is about traumatizing the collective mind of the species, it is about keeping us in a collective consciousness state of fear, pain, and uh, anxiety. And so, um, This comes into the psychological warfare techniques we were talking about earlier. So there um, was a lieutenant colonel in the United States Army named Lieutenant Colonel Michael Aquino, A-Q-U-I-N-O. And I could get into this guy. This guy is something else, okay? He was a member of the Church of Satan when Anton LaVey founded it. The army knew that he was a Satanist. He was also a founder or the founder of something called the Temple of Set, Set is the ancient Egyptian version of Satan. And this guy was put in charge of psychological warfare and mind control for the United States Army. And it was his belief that if you wanted to control an enemy nation, what you would do is he, he advocated for going into these enemy nations, infiltrating like their media and stuff like that, and then perpetrating a false flag attack, a massive false flag attack, men, women, and children dead. Scary stuff. Right. And then use the media to then demonize the opposition of these people that invade of the United States, basically. And then from there, once they weaponized all of the people in that country against the United States opposition, then what they would do is they would go in, they'd get all the resources, they'd control the government, they'd install a the puppet government, et cetera. And every time the people began to realize or come to um, an awakening moment where they saw the true evil behind what was going on, they would do another smaller false flag attack to reinforce the trauma. And in the media, they would keep this fear-based propaganda going so that the people were always on edge. Everybody was waiting for the next thing, the next bad thing to happen. And in this way, the minds of the people could be controlled. And this goes into, and this is why I brought up his whole Satanism thing, this goes into satanic ritual abuse and mind control. It goes into MKUltra. It goes into breaking somebody's mind, hacking it, developing that hack to where you can then weaponize their own mind for your personal gain and then use them as an asset in the field. Only they're talking about doing that with millions of people.
1: Yeah. yeah and Go ahead. and uh, I was just going to say, you know, we, most people don't realize it. I mean, people who are awake do, but it's like, COVID was a two-year psychological warfare, trauma-based experiment to attempt to traumatize an entire culture or the globe, really, depending on where you were. And I don't think a lot of people appreciate what what the impact of that was. Like It involved cutting people off from other human connections, from their support groups, fear-based indoctrination, um, all of these things. And so, you know, it, you know, I, I know some of us sit here now and we're like, oh, COVID seems like a long time ago, the lockdowns, but it's like, no, we're in the wake of that trauma. And then at the, the other thing I want to say is it sounds like we're due for another false flag attack right now. Yeah. This is why I've been railing. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of wake up happening. I think people, I mean, dude, this whole Trump thing, I think is. Red pilling people. What's going on with him. And it's like, sometimes I'm like, they got to know that's what's, what they're doing. So then I'm also on guard because I'm like, they're indicting Trump because they know it's going to red pill people because then they're going to put down the the revolution that's manufactured or or the false flag that they're going to use. They're going to pin on, you know. So I'm always trying to outthink it, but it does seem like something is going to happen to induce another series of trauma because I think we're in, we're sort of, Outside of that cycle right now,
0: yeah, I've been uh, fa- yeah. I've been I'm following sorry. the OKC stuff like crazy for that reason because that's just a feeling I have in the air. I've seen a lot of people be more receptive to it and when you start understanding, you know, the the bigger picture of this stuff. It starts then you start being like, when's the next one coming? And it was funny, me and my wife were just talking about COVID recently and uh, kind of all that, and and then just now I'm kind of picking up parallels because. Uh, I don't know if you guys recall at the beginning of COVID there was that like right before it was like coming over the United States or whatever there was those crazy videos coming out of China that was like look like hordes of people just dead and stuff and like and as us over in the states it's like we had no real information we were very much in the dark so it's like even me being like more of a dissident type I'm like I don't know like so it's like And it is this trauma thing where they put these ideas subtly in your head. And it's the same thing in this intro I played at the beginning, that Officer Sicknick and there was other ones, they tried to gin up this idea of somehow officers died in January 6th. And then it just became later this, like, technicality where, like, I guess they can kind of play, oh, well, we just kind of got some bad information. Come to find out, like, oh, we had a heart attack the next day or some shit, but somehow we're going to attribute this to that. Oh, and they were all so magically these other guys who committed suicide, but I guess they were just that fucked up about everything. So we're going to – I guess we can kind of sort of put this in this bag of people who died as a result of January 6th. So it's like they play these games where they they do put these little subtle traumas in your head, and then later they try to subtly pull them back, and only some of us really catch it, and the rest – you know, get subdued into that, like, collective consciousness type nonsense.
2: Yeah. Well, well, but think about this, and this is how Hollywood plays a role, okay? How many movies have you seen about a viral outbreak? (laughs) How many movies have you seen, okay? They program people's mind through entertainment. Because here's the thing. The only way you can hypnotize somebody is if they are willing to be hypnotized. Now, when you go watch a movie in theaters or you plug in a DVD or you start a streaming network, something on your streaming network, are you doing that unwillingly? No, you're doing that willingly. So when you're watching this thing, your brain literally goes into a state akin to hypnosis, a wave state that is akin to hypnosis. So you're just absorbing everything into the subconscious. So think about it, how many movies over the last, we'll just say, ten to twenty years, have there been about a viral outbreak that wipes out a bunch of people on the planet and forces everybody to to reset their lives? And it's the apocalypse, it's the Armageddon, and all that. I can probably name off the top of my head a good at least ten. Okay, um, I am Legend. Twenty eight days later, World War Z. Um, all of the uh this uh resident evil movies
1: outbreak um, yeah
2: yeah outbreak like um contagion like like dude there's there's so many of these things okay? i just
1: realized i just realized we already know what the next false flag is it's ufo it's the fake ufo yes that's the Thank next you. false flag we already know what it is all yes right.
2: and how many movies are there of that yeah okay so if you guys saw that thing where they were trying to say, oh, a UFO went down in Las Vegas and there was an alien in somebody's backyard and all this other shit, what are they trying to distract us from? As more disclosure comes out, and this is, this is, I think, coming back to this idea of what you were saying about how their traumas are becoming less and less intense and they have to try to make them out to be more and more extreme because it is black magic, you guys. It's yeah. black magic. And the thing is, is that, As the collective consciousness of humanity rises and the higher frequency consciousness emerges, then that black magic becomes less and less potent. And it becomes more and more difficult for them to orchestrate these things that before were so much easier. So yeah, I think that the UFO, alien invasion, oh, freak out everybody thing is coming. Um, If it's not already here, because as the collective consciousness of the the humanity begins to awaken, they are going to need something, a new boogeyman to point the finger at and take people's away from these things that will awaken humanity.
0: Yeah, I think we're at this weird spot too, where like I think the magic is weakening, but I think it's twofold. I think it's uh, the magic is weakening in the sense of the general public is just buying it less, but I think there's another issue where they are kind of losing their effectiveness in like a sort of bureaucratic rot that is essentially happening there, which what happens to any, you know, any you know, entities that are built like that, that are built upon the grounds of coercion is they just simply aren't as effective as non-coercive methods. So over time it breaks down and rot, it rot takes, takes place. So I think they are becoming less effective. So to pull off something like, uh, they're in this weird rock in a hard place. So I see that like, I almost see the things like the Michigan stuff, the January 6th. Is this, uh, this was them trying to like do like almost a lazy way out where they were trying to hit all the right boxes and hoping they can gin up whatever they can out of it and get something. But they weren't ready to fully commit to a full on like trauma thing, like something like a, I don't know, like some sort of false flag that lots of people die or something like that because now that now that comes with a lot of planning a lot of you know you gotta to some extent like you can be a little bit sloppy because you are able to control the narrative a lot but there becomes a point where you're like i don't know if we can pull that off like we're we're gonna shoot ourselves in the foot but on the other hand now that would that's what suck people in so there's this weird spot like which way do we go do we try for this whimsy flimsy you know ufo thing that no one's seeming to buy like most people like I feel like most people I talk to when they like norm, normies, when they're like the government signed by UFOs, are like, oh, shut the fuck up. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, and I guess, yeah, they could kind of combine the two into some sort of mass trauma event with some sort of UFO thing. But like, that it would be such a logistical nightmare for them not to fuck up that it's like, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm not saying I hope, like, if they did it, it would almost be like, yeah, it'd be awful because a lot of people would die. But on the other hand, it would be like, okay, we'd probably catch them with their dick in the cookie jar and really fuck them hard. So,
1: you know, you're talking about one thing you're talking about is that there may be a very real crisis of competency in the deep state. Like um, a lot of times I, we it's, 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 it's bad to underestimate the, how much they can hurt and destroy and imprison good people and societies. But on the other hand, sometimes it's good to remember, like, all they have is force, really. But we actually have power, like power and force are different. And they have force and there are limitations of force and force goes against conscience. And, you know, we have power and conscience. And uh, I actually think we have the smartest people are starting to become on the side of like, of what's right and on human freedom. And so you're pointing to this, like the, do, do they have the competency to pull off what they used to pull off? I don't know, Jake, does, do you have any thoughts about that?
2: Yeah, actually I do. So, and thank you for asking. Cause I really wanted to chime in, but I didn't want to interrupt Jose if he was going to say something. <laughs> um, so this is why I advocate so heavily for The introduction into the dialogue of Tesla Tower technology, infinite, free, clean, wireless energy that was discovered over 100 years ago and suppressed by J.P. Morgan, the Rockefellers, the Rothschilds, and the global elites. This is also why I... Push so hard for the truth about Dr. Reif, that's R-I-F-E, Dr. Reif and his machine and its cure for cancer by uh, using energy and frequencies to destroy cancer cells, the way you can destroy a wine glass with sound and frequency, you can destroy cancer cells with sound and frequency. These two patents have been suppressed and these two patents could change everything in our healthcare system, in our energy system, in our transportation system. It would keep us from going to war because most of our wars are about resources. It would change everything in our monetary system. So what is what we are witnessing here is these people's last gasps at maintaining full spectrum dominance. And the only way they can do so is like what Jose was saying through coercion and through fear. And if we are awakening as a global population, then this is why I use these these three patents so heavily in my discussions, because think about it. You have three things in these patents. Number one, you have the truth of government corruption and the hijacking of governments by elites in order to suppress certain technology that would take away their monopolies, okay? And that's something we're still dealing with today, all right? Number two, you have the uh, complete transformation of our entire industrial civilization so that we don't have to pollute the environment anymore. We can create independence for every single man, woman, and child for generations to come. We're talking about thinking decades, centuries ahead, just like these globalists and these, these, uh, these communists do. And we're also talking about, in order to understand these technologies, you have to understand energy frequency and vibration. So the secrets of the universe then open up to you. So this is a three three things in one deal and all of these problems, the mass consciousness of the species, uh, technology being suppressed from the public and government corruption and the nature to technology and how it can actually free us, these things together, in one package. Hello, and, and, and we can literally take us into the future for centuries, for, for millennia. We'll transform every aspect to our culture and our civilization. So the crux of the issue, I think, is that we're depending on all these old farts that created these freaking problems to fix them? Yeah, right. Yeah, right. They're not going to fix jack shit. They're going to just go in there and rah, 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 like they always have and pretend to be on the side of the people. And they're going to line their pockets, line the pockets of their cronies and keep the war machine turning, baby.
1: Man. One thing that occurs to me is you just spent 30, 31 months in prison,
2: 20, 29,
1: 29 months in prison, 10 and a half of that in solitary, whatever, whatever that breakdown was. And you've come out into the world as a very optimistic individual who you're looking to create unity uh, and get people together to recognize where the true problems lie. You haven't come out here with some axe to grind, you know. It's 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 awesome, dude. And like, I think if you're a guy who can be optimistic about the future of humanity and what we can do, I think. I think I, I could be more optimistic about it because sometimes I'm not man, but you've inspired me in that way.
2: Well, thanks, man. It's my honor. You're a good dude, you know, and you are too, uh, Jose. And I'm, <laughs> I'm so glad to have a conversation with you guys. And, um, yeah, man, optimism is the only way forward. And here's the thing, guys, we have to see it in our heads and I understand where you guys are coming from about trying to decipher what the next false flag is, but, this is a misuse of our creative potential. We need to be thinking about how awesome the future is going to be. We need to start seeing people uniting in our minds. We need to start seeing people talk about this free, this free energy technology. We need to see people start talking about a cure for cancer. We need to see humanity uniting. We need to see the planet sh- like covered in light and love, and and unity, and peace. We need to see our collective consciousness raised into these higher dimensions. We need to see the demonic forces losing power and and fleeing from the earth. That's what we need to see. And then once we, and, and all it takes is a small percentage, you guys. Once we see that as a collective species, it'll just snowball from there, and these things won't be able to do a damn thing about it. We're already on the way. We're already on the path. That's, that's one of the things then why, it's, I'm so, why I'm so optimistic is that you guys, I mean, I've been following this stuff really closely forever since I was about like 13 years old. So about 20 years. And I've seen more positive change in since December 21st, 2012, than I saw in all the time preceding that. And yeah, things people might say right now are getting worse. But I think what it is, things have been this bad, you guys. What's happening is that the truth of global corruption is just becoming so obvious at this point <laughs> that it's waking everybody up and everybody's going, man, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, this, yeah. this isn't fair. This sucks. What the hell is going on here? You know, and that's a good thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, you're I am very optimistic. Uh, I know I do focus on these things It's what I find to be interesting. I think it does. I think people, people understanding how these things work does to some extent break the spell. But I think uh, a lot of lessons you learn along the way looking into these things makes you realize kind of and seeing the state of, you know, what people are interested in, what people are doing now, the state of the current, you know, mainstream media when you have You know, hell, I'm ratioing Tubin. You have people like Dave Smith with his show who does better numbers than primetime CNN. And he's not even, like, in the scope of podcasters. He's not that big. Like, you know what I mean? So, you know, we saw Tucker Carlson's numbers, which I guess you can get in the weeds of, like, you know, whatever, what counts as a view. But either way, even if you, like, you know, nerf that as much as you can, he's still – blew the fuck out of the the mainstream media just with his recent few episodes. Uh, So I I think it says a lot and, uh, you know, where, what people, you know, what the state of things is to come. I think there will be some grasping at straws to maintain control and they, and they will to some extent maintain control in certain areas. And they may even exert, I'm of the opinion that it's almost like this law of thermodynamics type thing. I picked this up from a buddy popular Liberty. I kind of applied it where it's like, I, I do think in the future there will be more people that kind of awaken to the consciousness, but they also will kind of suck in more of their zombies as well. So I think there will be areas where there will be more coercion, more you know negative power being exerted. But I think on the flip side, there will be a greater opening for people like us to be able to thrive and you know gather our own tribes. But uh, I, I think I want to end. Uh, I have one Patreon question. Uh, from one of my patrons, I guess that's redundant. But um, he said, did, did Jake notice any signs or have any ideas that there may have been Fed involvement before or during J6, or was this only after it all went down? And then we'll, 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 we'll cancel out after that. It's been a long episode, but it's, uh, it's, it's felt short. It's been an interesting conversation.
2: Yeah, it has. I really enjoyed it. Um, so regarding the idea of Fed involvement, um, before or during, no idea. Um, One thing I can say though is this, if we look at history and the involvement of federal agencies or forces in the perpetrating of what are called covert operations. So there's clandestine operations, which means that the government is associated with it. They're top secret, but the government, if it goes wrong or goes awry, the government will say, yeah, that was us. Then there's covert operations. That is like where the government just funds, trains, or arms certain insurgents, but they have plausible deniability. They can say, I, 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 "It wasn't me. It was. was it was them. Was, it just so happened that they were doing what we wanted them to do, but yeah, you know, it wasn't us." You know what I mean? That's that's called a covert operation. And a good example of a covert operation would be a lot of the things that happened during the Cold War against the Soviet Union. Um, And how the CIA funded, trained, and armed Al Qaeda. That is a covert operation because we couldn't be seen going to all out war with the Soviet Union in Afghanistan. But we could arm insurgents, we could fund them, we could train them and do so covertly so that they were doing our bidding on the battlefield. There was no casualties on the American military side. So we could just say, oh, they're pissed. What can I say? They don't want communism, you know? And that was a good example, now uh, there are lots of examples of the feds doing something like infiltrating into these groups and then using them and radicalizing them and then pushing them to do something that creates more centralization of power, okay? And it just came out that uh, the two of the hijackers from 9-11 were, the the CIA was trying to recruit them or they were recruited. Yeah, it just came out that, you know, the there's um, American troops on soil, feet on the ground in Ukraine, which the government told us that wasn't happening. Um, you know, you just got done talking about the Fed's association with a lot of the stuff going on in Oklahoma City before the bombing and all that stuff. Um, we could get into 9-11. And the massive scenario plan that was going on that day, where planes were supposed to hit the twin towers and the Pentagon, and then all of a sudden, it just so happened that it happened on the day we're having a scenario plan of that exact thing. And COVID two, uh, I mean uh, COVID as well, um, event two hundred one in October of twenty nineteen, the exact scenario that came out. Not even a couple of months later, all of a sudden, oh lo and behold, who would have thought, you know? And when we get into how these scenario plans have been orchestrated and planned out, when we get into how it's been done in other countries all the time, it seems to me that you know, government involvement in some of these uh, activities is the exception, is the rule, not the exception. And considering the fact that there's a lot of media outlets that are saying, and I, this is even Mockingbird media outlets, that are saying that they cannot release all of the footage from January six because it would expose the literally hundreds of federal agents that were in the crowd. It's like, well, what more fucking proof do you need? You know, like you got all this trend. So, so here's the thing. I don't trust people. I don't trust institutions. I don't trust media. Okay, what I trust are patterns. And if I see a pattern reoccurring again and again and again and again over decades, and then all of a sudden something very similar to that pattern pops up in modern times, I'm going to go, am I, am I going to say to myself, well, it just must be a coincidence. There's, a, there's an old saying. I think it's from the James Bond books. Once is happenstance, twice is coincidence, three times is enemy action. OK, and we've got a whole lot more than three fucking yeah. times here. OK, so there's something going <laughs> on. I mean, Kennedy's assassination. I mean, he talked and I'll, we'll all end this on real quick on a quote from Kennedy. It's about a minute and a half. Kennedy said what I'm about to say to you, a quote, this quote, like a week before he died. We are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covert means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasions, on subversions instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day, It is a system which has conspired vast human and material resources to create a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, scientific, economic, intelligence, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not headlines. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. No rumor is printed, no expenditure is questioned, and no secret is revealed. And then a week later or so, he dies. So we have been dealing with this in the United States for a very, very long time. We've been dealing with the spiritual forces that are doing all this trauma cycle stuff for literally centuries, millennia. It goes all the way back, thousands of years here. And what we're experiencing now, and I'll end on a positive note, is actually the lifting of the veil. It is the revealing of all of this stuff. That has been going on for thousands of years, so that we may awaken, so that we may ascend. We're in the age of Aquarius. We just completed a great age of twenty-five years, I mean twenty-five thousand years, and the Kali Yuga, which is like the dark uh, night of the collective soul, which is like over a hundred thousand years. We just completed that, and we're coming into the golden age. We're coming into an age where it's going to be filled with peace, with love, with harmony, with truth, with wisdom, with freedom, with uh, um prosperity and abundance that's what we're coming into man and that's what we got to look forward to so that's why i say see a bright future up here man because it's coming baby
0: hell yeah dude uh, it's a great way to end it uh, I, I really i'm i feel like i gotta get you on again uh, maybe i'll get bring on for a four pony boys episode uh, i think uh, i'd like to try to get maybe shane cashman on that. i'd like to link you two up but uh, we didn't even touch on your actual story of january 6th but <laughs> we we on we a lot and a lot of fun uh, like I said, that's part of why I need to bring you on, but I also can, we could definitely, uh, you know, pick your brain on whatever the, the happenings of the day on and have a lot well,
2: of fun. Well, I can't really talk about it right now because I have a motion in the courts and my lawyer has advised uh, me not to say anything about it right now. So it probably worked out for the best. The motion's still in the courts. We don't know when, the, what the judge is going to do or when. So, you know, as that you know, story unfolds, I'll keep you posted. I will,
1: uh, What I will say, but if you go to freejake.com, that is where episode one of Q sent me is at. And we've got a good portion of Jake's story from January 6th there, along with his journey home and his unfortunate arrest. So I would encourage you to go there. It's for free. You can watch it for free right now. The movies Q sent me uh, episode one free jake.com. will redirect to that. And uh, anyway, it's good <laughs> to be hint. with you guys. <laughs>
0: loopholes baby (laughs) (laughs) it wasn't from his mouth
1: (laughs) but uh do you have any other plugs jason uh since you kind of already i'm just back on twitter just came back today at the jason rink so uh after 555 days of being gone in fact jake it was it was sharing a video of the interview we did with you me you and paul we did over the phone with you from jail um I posted that and it got me banned from Twitter that day. So that was uh 555 days ago. So well, anyway, I'm back. Your,
2: thank you for that. I'm so sorry. You had to go through all that. Jason. Oh, no. You and Paul both. That's And congratulations on getting it back.
1: Yeah. Good
2: yeah. Elon, came, this man.
1: came back. So I'm happy to happy. And uh, so I'm back. And now I'm, I didn't learn my lesson, Jake. Here I am talking to you, promoting, promoting you, promoting the film. Yeah. Weird, I shut me up, man. I've had you on, I think twice before. Now that I think about it. I think we
0: came on once to talk about January 6th stuff and another time to talk about election shenanigans, both hot and button issues. Somehow those episodes never got removed. I think yeah. I did end up taking them down myself. Yeah. Uh, so if anyone does want to look for those, go look on like the audio podcasts or Odyssey, because there was a period where I had like two strikes and I was like, uh, I'll take the ones that are pretty obvious off. And yeah. I think I was like one of like three, the two of them were yours. I know. <laughs> so the other one was my uh we did a whole episode on joe rogan and the n-word thing so (laughs) i was like that would probably should come on off uh for context we kind of had to say the n-word a bunch or else be in this weird position where we're saying n-word a bunch like a bunch of children (laughs) but (laughs) uh either way uh you know um yeah i appreciate having you on again uh it's anytime brother And yeah. good talking to you, Jake, man, always. Thank you. Uh, Jake, want to Can I
2: plug my Twitter real quick? Yeah, go
0: for it. I was about to get, yeah, tell you Yeah, yeah.
2: Um. Uh, so uh, at America Shaman, that's America Shaman, at America Shaman on Twitter. And you can also take some free courses that I've put up on my website, um, ForbiddenTruthAcademy.com. That's ForbiddenTruthAcademy.com. Uh, we have free courses you can take. Um, we have the podcast, Forbidden Truth Podcast, that you can go there and find that link as well. If you want to get some more info, all of that stuff is free. Um, we also have the merch there on that store, uh, on that website. Uh, if you, We got lots of good stuff. So, um, you know, check it out, man. I'd love to, you know, have more subscribers and hear from you guys and what you guys think. Hell yeah,
0: man. Uh, appreciate having you on. It was a blast. Uh, I think I have a strong feel I'll be having you on again. You're definitely a... Uh... I mean, I definitely wouldn't say I agreed with everything, but boy, that motherfucker spits. I'll say that. So uh, <laughs> that, that, uh, you, you definitely can go, and I appreciate it. We could definitely have some great conversations. Uh, I'm thinking of Four Pony Boys. So uh, we, you'll be hearing from me in the future, most likely. Uh, this is a fun time. Uh, I do want to remind my audience, I did recently have that piece that got published in Garrison, the Journal of uh, History and Deep Politics. Uh, I will have that in the video description if you want to order it, if you want to check it out, he has a lot of other good stuff in there. He has Richard, uh, essay from Richard Booth as well. Who's like kind of my sensei in OKC stuff. He actually just got nuked off Twitter for, uh, uh, suggesting that Biden was a traitor. And as such, uh, there are certain legal consequences that tend to be associated with, uh, treason. Uh, so put two and two together for people out there. Uh, and uh, you know, I guess if there's a way to go out, that was pretty dope. But <laughs> uh, I, I hope to get him back. We'll see. But either way, uh, you can check out my OKC series to go, you know, see what he has to say on that. But uh, appreciate you guys. Follow me on Twitter at Jose. This is on YouTube. i Major Art obviously, as well. Like, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. All that stuff. Like I say. With that, we are out. Peace. Boom boom.